Hello, SRU. How's it going, everyone? It is nice to be back once again. I am joined by Justin Zackel and Nick Artman. Gentlemen, we're back at it full swing now. Yeah. Yeah. It feels kind of relieving. Like, I'm just excited, right? I'm, I'm, I'm on campus today. There's an energy walking around. You see students back on campus, and I could not be more excited for the upcoming semester. Yeah, we got a chance to talk with Warren and that was great. But then we got to actually see the students come back and walk yeah. around. Like you said, it ran into a few students just this morning. Yeah, it felt good. Yeah, it felt real good. Yeah. And Justin, how you doing? have man? your back to school uh, outfit on, right? Because we get the <laughs> first week of classes started. I don't know for, for you professors. I don't know if you're wearing any kind of tweed or anything. But uh, here in the here in the communication office, we kind of switch from polo shirts to uh, to neckties here as we as I s- switch over to the semester. Well, my kids gave me a hard time that I actually had to leave the house with pants on <laughs> instead of my running shorts just because for the last 18 months, it's been a shirt from the waist up. I'm professional looking and then, yeah, they got a kick out of that today. So <laughs> I asked my wife if I could buy new shoes with my back to school allowance and she said that I don't have that anymore. So oh, I guess well, you lose you that go. once you graduate. Nobody told me. Sorry, buddy. It's all right. Well, hey. Our guest today hardly requires an introduction. Uh, Dr. William J. Berry is the 17th president of Slippery Rock University and began his tenure at SRU in 2018. He earned his PhD in education from the University of Michigan and previously taught special education in Brooklyn, New York. So Dr. Berry, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I I was thinking about, Jeremy, your your clothing discussion, and I, I view that as the professional mullet. You know, business on the top, all fun at the bottom. And <laughs> so I think a lot of us have done that during the year. And and like Justin, I, I get back to a jacket and tie next week. It was great because I was at new faculty orientation last week. And that was actually one of the topics of conversation. And one of our little breaks is they were saying everyone was talking about their wardrobe changes and how they had to go back into their closets and some people dust off certain articles. So yeah, no, but it's good to be back. It's good. And I hate to say the word, it's good to be back because we were still here last year. We didn't go anywhere. And although it looked different than what we all wanted it to look like, we didn't, we didn't go anywhere. So I'm hesitant to use that phrase. We're back. I've been saying it's great to see you in 3d. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Cause that's, that's really what's happened is there's been a, a lot of connecting on screens and, and, and we managed it to keep our, our university afloat and we managed to, to push our students along. But I, I don't think anyone uh, would argue that what happened was optimal. Uh, it, it's, it's what we needed to do. And we're a face-to-face institution. Uh, our, our, our experience is about those relationships and those relationships are often built over a cup of coffee. And while Zoom allows you to do the transactional things you need to do, you can't do the cup of coffee in the same way. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really just being back around colleagues and students, just walking down the hallway. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in 18 months other than on the screen. It was really great. And I know that's, I know for most of us, that's what we're really here for. And, 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 you know, there's a cliche to the notion of the energy, but, but the energy is real. And, and, you know, one of the things, you know, people say, well, how's it going? How are you holding up? And, and, and in the middle of the pandemic, if I'm going to be honest, it was it was a challenge because you're in a you're in a university president job. You know you have got to make a lot of high stakes decisions, a lot of tough decisions. That, that's with the that, you know it's part of the game. Uh, but the challenge was that you didn't have that 
energy of the students to remind you why you're doing it. You at least got to work with students in classes. I, right. I didn't even have that. I, I had occasional student meetings and usually it was around uh, challenging topics. Uh, and so it's just been such a relief to, you know, as, a, as just a, a, a reminder to your soul of what you're doing is to go out and, and take a walk. My wife and I walk our dogs on campus a lot and just to run into students and talk to them and ask them where they're from and what are you studying? And, you know, so glad to have you back. There's, there's just something about that that's re-energizing. Yeah, absolutely. Just, and, and I will give a lot of credit to our students uh, for hanging in there, for doing really amazing things over the last 18 months, you know, and the faculty as well and the staff and the administration and everyone that had to make those tough decisions. Those are some long conversations and we're by no means out of the woods yet. Nope, not at all. No, we're, we're, we're back to masking as, as, as you know, um, what we're, what we're going to do over the course of the semester is look at a series of variables. Uh, three that, that I'm sure we'll look at are uh, the vaccination rate on campus, the infection rate on campus, and the infection rate in the, in the community. And we'll probably end up making week-to-week decisions about masking as we, as we go along. And you know, I'll, I'll take a second and do my public service announcement. Uh, anyone who's listening, whether you're a slippery rock person or not, go get vaccinated. Uh, the, the data are strong. And, yep. and the rest of it's misinformation. I, I'm young. I'm old enough. I'm older than, than you guys. I'm old enough to remember lining up to get my polo shot, polio shot. Uh, and, you know, that was life changing. And, and it was life, life affirming and securing at that point. And, and the COVID uh, vaccine should be the same. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry our society has gone down a rabbit hole of fighting over, over what is basic science. Um, but but it, it is the case. And Nick, I noticed... Um, uh, you know, our, the viewers won't see you on screen, but I see you on screen now. And I notice you've got some ink on your arm and, you know, uh, our students, many of them have tattoos and I don't think anyone ever asked, Hey, is that ink FDA approved? Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, it wasn't. No. <laughs> and, 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 uh, not that, not that we shouldn't take good care about, um, making sure that our medicines are good. We, we really should. But it, I just find it uh, frustrating, honestly, that folks are holding this this standard uh, on a on a intervention that there's pretty good evidence is working and working well. Yet they don't hold that same standard when they order a drink at a bar, um, order tobacco at Cheats, or put ink in their arm. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. So, what is the what would be your goal for students or student vaccination rate? I should say. Uh, we, we've been we've been tossing about a 75 percent rate uh, right now, but in truth, um, that needs to be affirmed in the coming week. We work regularly with Allegheny Health Network. We have infectious disease docs there, and and I've actually asked our COVID response team uh, to to tighten up our standards so that we really have um, some metrics to go with. And, and they're talking to the, the to the docs now, looking at. Uh, what we're looking at different projections for vaccination rates in different populations and trying to get a sense of uh, if we hit 75%, what's the infection rate in the community that would have us put masks back on those kinds of conversations are going on. Yeah. Right. I just want to make it clear for people that are listening. We're not just, or I shouldn't say we, you and your staff are not just looking at one number or one piece of data. It's, it, it's very complex. Yeah. And, and, and so, we we we're collecting survey data from our employees, so we have a we have a sense of uh, 
vaccination rate with employees. Uh, there is a bit of a challenge because in a normal survey, uh, if you got a 60% response rate, you would, you would infer what it looks like. Now, if you have a 60% response rate, you're not sure if the 40% didn't answer because they don't, it's none of your business kind of thing. And they sure. have no intention of, of getting vaccinated, but, but our, our data on employees are pretty strong. Uh, and, and, and our employee vaccination rate is pretty strong. Our, um, the only vaccination student data that we have that I'm feeling confident in is the students who are uh, moving into the residence halls right away because they're reporting at a higher rate. And, and there uh, we're over 50% uh, in the residence halls. And I think that'll go up because we are incentivizing uh, students to let us know. We're giving them $50 of uh, credit on their, their meal card to go eat at Rockies or, or Quaker Steak or one of those places uh, if they upload their card. So um, we're hoping that more students hear about that. I, I had an informal discussion with a group of students uh, about three, four days ago, actually last Friday. Uh, and uh, I asked them if they had uploaded their cards and they said, well, why would we? And I had explained that we had this, this deal going on and they hadn't heard about it. Hmm. Students read your email. Um, but they hadn't, they said they hadn't <laughs> heard about it. So now we're going to do some posters and some other advertising. Um, and, uh, and I hope that that'll, you know, help fence sitters. I don't think I'll ever convince someone who, who thinks Bill Gates is putting a chip in their head. I, I, don't, sure. I don't know how you convince that person to do, to do something rational, but I think students who are saying, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, you know, it's their decision is based more on inertia than on strong feelings Then maybe that'll push that. Yeah. I mean, certainly you hope so. Right. I would love to see those numbers reach that threshold or yeah. even better. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what, ultimately what we want. I know student athletes are their own special population and ex- extracurriculars carry their own responsibilities. But yeah, I mean, for student athletes in particular, I, that should be an easy one for me. I mean, yeah. especially if I'm a coach, it's look, if, if, if someone gets test positive now and there's no such thing as a reschedule anymore, NCAA says you're, you're forfeiting. Um, well, it's actually called the no contest. The NCAA ah, doesn't have a forfeit. I actually wanted our 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 uh, conference to have it be a, a, an actual loss because uh, that's how strongly I feel about it. But but I got voted down. Uh, and that would make a difference, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you at Slippery Rock, if you're an athlete uh, and you are unvaccinated and you test positive, it's going to mean two weeks of quarantine plus a week of rehab to get back. You're missing three weeks of a, probably a 12 to 14 week season. Right. So, yeah. Uh, it, you know, just do the math rationally. It makes sense um, to, to, to get the shot. Yeah. And I'm, like you said, I'm hoping that there's people come back to campus, people move back into dorms and, and come back into the classrooms and, yeah, I mean, we there will be things that change as our vaccination rates change, I would mm-hmm. imagine. So as much as we all don't want to come back into the classroom and wear masks, it, there's a responsibility that we yeah. have now that we have to take care of things and then hope that it gets better because yeah. so, I don't want to teach in a mask, but I'm going to do it because that's what we need to do. I, I, I do one-on-one meetings in my office uh, in a mask and, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all, but it, it's where we are today. I actually went and bought two big... Uh, folding chairs. I'm going to do my, my, uh, on better days, it's a little rainy today, but on, on better days, I'm going to do, do my regular meetings out on the, out on the lawn on two on a set of chairs. It's as long as it's nice, we might as well take advantage of it. For sure. And, and I encourage faculty and students to meet that way. I know some folks are nervous about meeting in a small office, go sit under a tree. Uh, it, I mean, we've got a gorgeous campus, more than 600 acres, take advantage of it. 
get get a, get a cool beverage with your uh, with your student and and go sit under a tree and, and talk. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't want to. I don't want the whole conversation today to be about our fact that we have to wear masks and because mm-hmm. there's a lot of really positive things that we have that you know students coming back into the 3D environment yeah. that that we get to look forward to. Small group classes, you know, really really sitting down with your students, hands on projects, uh, taking part in or sitting in the stands in, in athletic events. All of those things are, are real. Lauren last week talked about the outdoor uh, activities and even the indoor ones. Uh, you, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take wearing a mask and being getting to be around people over over Zoom any day of the week. And 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 I I do want to say uh, so that everyone hears it from the president's mouth. We we're staying open unless someone forces us to close. Uh, I mean, this is this is this is not uh, um, going back to Zoom is is not an option. Uh, you know, you have to put the little asterisk. If the governor says you have to go to Zoom, you go to Zoom. Local health department says you have to go to Zoom, go to Zoom. Sure. But for what the university can control, we've spent a lot of resources uh, putting uh, air purifiers in our, a lot of our classroom buildings uh, with the masks and with a with a reasonable vaccination rate. We should be able to stay face to face. And that's that's our intent. And that should be the message that everyone hears. Yeah. Right now. And in fact, Nick, we should probably like go in and cut that last couple of bit of audio out because there is, I have had at least half a dozen faculty in the last two days ask me, so you think we're going to go back online? Yeah. You think we're going to go back online? Yep. Should I get my classes ready to go back online? Well, you know, I, what I will say to a faculty member is always have a contingency plan. Sure. So I'll always be ready. I mean, I, you know, one of the funny things is, um, the pandemic has ended the concept of a snow day. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no reason to have a snow day ever again, because we all know how to flip really quickly and, and, yeah. and deliver some education via Zoom. So, um, so you know, I, I, I think faculty should always be, be flexible because uh, let's, let's talk for a second about, you know, uh, a possibility. And, and that is um, maybe, maybe the institution isn't, um, fully online in any way, shape, or form, but there is a cluster that occurs in a single class. Sure. Um, th- this happened last year. Last year, when we had a handful of classes here, we had a we had a couple of clusters where we said to the class, "Take the next two weeks, meet online, and then come back on the other side of that." Now, um, I hope that doesn't occur. I hope again with vaccine rates and things like that. But I think faculty should should be prepared to think about that. You know, what if there's a, a cluster breakout and we ask you not to meet your class for a week or two? How do you how do you maintain it? I I don't expect a lot of that, but I don't think it's an absurd thing to think about. Yeah, I would definitely echo those comments, especially coming from the Center for Teaching and Learning, where we tell or help faculty think about those problems in those ways. And we have the technology, like you mentioned before, to do it. It's not, we're not starting from March, 2020 again. We, exactly. we, we've learned a lot over the last 18 months. And, you know, Nick and I are in conversations about, you know, what does this look like for our institution in the future, especially in terms of instructional design and delivery. So, yeah. I, I would hope one, one lasting legacy of this is that faculty become more um, comfortable with experimenting and turning, say, part of their classroom into a flipped classroom or something like that. I, I think that 
um, a good lecture could, could be preserved forever on a video. Mm. And then once you've done that and you've spent the time on that, what great work can you do around that lecture in a classroom? Uh, so I, I think, you know, for faculty members who truly pre-recorded their lectures last year, I think now they've got a library and there's so much creativity they could do. They could assign the lecture as the homework and then do really interesting projects and group work in the classroom. Gee, Nick, that sounds like what you were talking about <laughs> just the other day. I was just going to, it was today. It was when I saw you on campus earlier, we were talking about that. And, and I said, um, you know, I've gone full flip. I've, I've been kind of like half flipped over the past couple years. And I was, I was thinking about this semester and I thought, you know what, because of the pandemic and because of our switch to online, I, I essentially flipped my classroom and just did it via zoom. So I thought, I'm not going back, you know, coming up in the fall, all my classes are exactly how you just described it. They'll do content online. They'll do some quizzes, just some stuff to make like reading checks. But I really want to hammer home that transformative classroom, that, that chance for us to be able to apply what they've read and use that time. That's more interactional instead of yeah. transactional. Yeah. And, and, and for your listeners who, who aren't into higher ed speak, uh, <laughs> let's translate for a second. Uh, a flipped classroom is, is when uh, the lecture, the part where students just sat and took notes, uh, is, is pre-recorded and they actually watch that before they get to class. Then the class is usually an application, a question and answer, an experiment, a group project around that lecture so that the class time is used in a more interactive fashion. So that's just a little PSA for folks who don't know what a flipped classroom is who might be listening. Yeah. And that's what we want. That's, that's what our students want. I mean, repeatedly they tell us that's the best part of class yeah. is interacting and engaging and applying what they've learned. So, I mean, yeah, from an instructional standpoint, there's a lot of lessons that we have learned and that we're going to really think deeply about over the next couple months. And, you know, how can we take that information and, and make it better? Cause look, regardless of whether we're in COVID pandemic mode or not COVID pandemic mode, there are pieces of this instruction that was a benefit to certain yeah. students and certain populations. And we provided pretty good access to people that may not be able to come to campus with a lot of really good technology. So yeah, there's some good things yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, we, 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 there are. We, we were able to have some speakers who otherwise we, we couldn't bring. Uh, I'll tell you one area that's really interesting is I've been able to connect with uh, with alumni in a different way because we we kind of have this circuit during the year. We'll, we'll go down to Florida uh, and see alumni there. We've got we've got a cluster in um, the Carolinas, and we do some in in the Pittsburgh area and into Ohio. But if you happen to live in Texas, it, it's very rare that the president goes does a swing through Texas. I've done it once since I've been here, uh, but now. With, with Zoom, we actually had regional alumni meetings uh, via Zoom. And, and, and I will tell you, those will continue. Uh, we yeah. may actually travel a little less and, and have some more of those because we were able to get that one alumnus in Montana, you know, that, that kind of thing that, that you, don't, you don't get. So, yeah, that, there are some upsides. Uh, you know, uh, like anything, you can, you can find the silver lining. Still happy to yeah. be back, but, but, but you can still find the silver lining. For sure. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to interview a Jeopardy contestant that lives in LA yeah. for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, as much as I would love to go to I mean, if we can LA, get the funding, you yeah, know, I mean, I, I'd be all for true. going to LA to interview um, some alumni. Well, I, I think as soon as you get your commercial sponsorship for this, you'll be golden. Deal. Deal. 
I'm still waiting on Fizzy Water. Um, I can't mention the brand name yet because we haven't had the official sponsorship, but I'm waiting for my little fix to come in through. Okay, so Dr. Barry, what would you say is one thing that you have learned over the past 18 months that's going to make SRU stronger in the future? Taking a deep breath. Um, no, no, take your time no, on it's, that it's, one. It's because we it's can solve the second part. Um, because, because you know, one of the things that that um, I guess I always knew, but was reinforced was was the importance of of the recharge going out. Uh, you guys as faculty get it more more often than I do, but going out with the students and reminding us all why we exist. I mean, this university exists for a single purpose, and that is to serve students, to get students to walk across the stage of graduation. Everything else is gravy. It's it's all it's all window dressing. And so I I think that um, one thing the pandemic did was really remind us of that essence of how are we going to deliver our academic program to students to get them across the stage, and and so it's that's not a learning point more than it is a driving home point. It's because, you know, we've got lots of stuff like I love college athletics. I think it's fantastic. I think we'd be a, a, a much hollower place without it. But again, we got through a semester without a lot of athletics. And, and, and what was what was our focus? Our focus was was getting students uh, across that stage of graduation. So I do think that um, the pandemic has helped us um, understand um, the essence of what we do. And, and I think that that's useful. Uh, I think to answer your, your question about, um, you know, operating going forward, that's a hard one because we're still in the pandemic uh, sure. and, and we're still, we're still functioning within it. And so I, we, I don't know that we've had the time to sit back and say, okay, how, how will we be different in, in, in the quote unquote normal times on the other side? I mean, I joked before there'll be no such thing as a, as a snow day, but the truth is, is, we now know how to how to work around disruptions, and and you know the disruption could be a power outage in a building, uh, whatever it might be. We'll be able to work through that disruption. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lesson of resiliency here that I think a, a lot of us that maybe haven't thought about it yet, especially our, even our students, but even our administrative staff that had to function from home that have never done that before. So there's a lot of credit to be given for sure. Yep. So looking, so I, I'm, I am going to ask you to look a little bit ahead then. Yep. So what are you looking forward to then for the 2021, 2022 academic year? Uh, for our, our current students, I'm looking forward to that sort of um, re renormalization, if you will, get, getting back uh, get, or for two classes, getting here for the first time. Uh, that that's important. Uh, and I think, I think, uh, you know, Lauren described it last week that the, the year two at SRU is, is going to be really important, uh, for that. I, I think, um, I personally look forward to, and I'm excited about the idea of being able to sit down and problem solve with students and faculty in that, in those smaller, uh, face-to-face -face groups. I, I think that's really, really important for us. Uh, we have, uh, prospective students coming onto campus again, and that that's that's huge for the university. Uh, it, it's no secret our enrollment will be down a little bit this year, about five percent. Uh, I'll take that over the twenty and thirty percent you see at other places. So five percent is just fine. 
but what I will tell you is our visits, our August visits are up substantially. And that bodes really well for the class, the freshman class coming in at 22. Uh, they're, they're, they're substantially up. So, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that get back into gear. Uh, and then us, I'm hoping, you know, really truly putting the pandemic behind us, that, that we get enough, enough folks in our community, not, not just a severe act, but our broader community vaccinated. Right. And, and that the disruptions uh, of the pandemic are, are small and easily overcome. That's, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what I think people want on our campus. They, they want to be back. They, they, they want to see their friends. They want to sit at Rockies. Um, believe it or not, I'm looking forward to boozle food. Uh, <laughs> boozle food means I'm sitting with students and, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I go have dinner there um, pretty regularly. Uh, I, I look forward to sitting in Rockies. I, I, you know, I try to sit in the middle of Rockies and see he'll come down. It's always a kind of an interesting personality test to see who's going to come sit with the president. Uh, and, and I, 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 I <laughs> met some really interesting people that way. And, and I bet. I'm I sure. I look forward to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yep. Just being back and, and we had, uh, an, an orientation for new faculty. And then afterwards we had a, an informal social gathering and it was, just seeing people yeah. face to face and hanging out and a sharing a beer. Almost. It, it was almost yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. It was like kindergarten yeah. giddy for some people. It's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Like you're, or I guess it would be like first grade. Well, yeah. All your friends you missed after kindergarten. Think of it this way though, too. I, I think everyone who works at the university has to treat this coming year a little bit like it's their first year ever here. Mm. And, 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 you know, again, I'll, I'll use me as an example. I, I've been president for three years, but really, realistically, I've been president for three semesters in a pandemic. And, and so as I come back, the senior class were sophomores when, 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 we, when we said goodbye uh, for the pandemic. The freshman class, uh, the, the, the junior class was one semester freshman when we said goodbye. I, I don't know most of the students. Yeah. Um, the faculty, we don't, you won't know most of the students. So I think we all have to approach it almost as if we're, we're all, all first year. I actually spoke to our, our jumpstart students, uh, yesterday. And that's one of the things I said, if you're nervous, just remember, there's a whole sophomore class ahead of you who hasn't met anyone really. And all of us, even those of us who work here, a lot of this is new for us. So, I, so there's an excitement to that. You know, we get, we get to start from scratch. I mean, there's, there's, there's something cool about that as much as it's been disruptive. I, I like the, yeah, sometimes we forget 18 months in, you know, normal adult world evaporates in no time whatsoever. But for a college student, a year and a half is a significant chunk of their, their time spent at, at camp on campus. Yeah. So it, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It should be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. There's things that maybe we aren't excited about doing, but you know what? It's better than better than not being here it's so much better than not being here it, it, it really is and and that, that again that's not to minimize everyone's efforts during the pandemic for sure we got what we needed to get done but it, it was it was your 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 basic model now we get to do some bells and whistles which is, yep. which is good well dr barry we certainly appreciate you coming on and talking to us we always end these episodes with three questions now the questions 
are a little different because normally I ask people who don't have the power to make the question happen. Um, they usually just throw out like, oh, I'm, I want Chick-fil-A on campus. You have a little bit different say in this whole level of things. So these questions might be a little different for our uh, devoted listeners out there. That's too bad because I prepared for your regular ones. <laughs> uh, see, I got to keep everyone guessing. We could, well, because if you say that you want to have, um, we're going to, I don't know, we'll pick a different restaurant this time. A second star. Actually, I would like a second Starbucks location on campus because quite frankly, the one in McKay, or I'm sorry, going from McKay to the student center to stand in line, just doesn't work for me. It takes too long. So we need to have like, anyway. Well, one thing you'll be this amazed isn't about me. is actually the things a president can't do. And it would be a big negotiation to get another Starbucks because we have an outside vendor. They, they bid on a certain number of locations. So I'd probably say, well, you have to wait for the next contract. Um, mm. Jeremy, you might be able to get that golf cart though. It takes yes, the, the fun. The, the golf cart, the golf cart's quite possible because you know I hear Justin likes to walk. And so, <laughs> Justin so, likes to run. Yeah. So, so he, Justin can just run up and down campus you know, to interview people. Yeah, I, I only run when when chased. So that's the <laughs> yeah. same. Yeah. We should have walking meetings. We can have a walking podcast where we yeah. just interview people while we're walking around campus. Yeah, Nick would love the technology behind that. <laughs> or, or, or you can you can get a nice big golf cart and do like the Seinfeld thing, you know, where he drives around in cars with comedians. You can you can yeah, I would like cart. to drive those cars. I mean yeah. I could drive those cars around campus yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm in. I could wire that golf cart. All right. So Dr. Barry, what is the most important change you hope to see at SRU during your tenure? It's hard to do one. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'll give you a theme. Perfect. And, and then, then I'll, 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 um, I'll shift off the theme. And, and, and that is, that is, um, I, I, I want Slippery Rock to be truly accessible. And, and, and right now, higher ed, we're, we're the, we're the second least expensive school in the Apache system. Uh, we are, if you compare us to other colleges, we're affordable but we're still not affordable for a whole swath of our, our population. And, and, and so, um, so if I could help with affordability through fundraising, uh, through some creative um, financial aid structures we're trying to do, um, that, that would be great. Uh, and, and I would make the same argument for, for social justice around um, our traditionally underrepresented uh, groups. Uh, you know, we, we try, we, we have an ideal. And we, I, I believe that the vast majority of the people on this campus tried to work towards that ideal. But, but we, we recognize pretty regularly that we fall short at certain times. And, and I'd like, you know, if you had maybe pick a legacy today, it would be addressing those issues of social justice, helping the campus actually live up to its ideals, and then yeah. making sure that we're affordable so that, um, uh, students and it's typically first gen students who, who are struggling with the affordability um, to, to just make us make it more likely that not only will they come to Slippery Rock, but they'll walk across the stage in four years. Uh, if we could do that, um, if I could guarantee that today, I, I would right now and, I, and I'd retire and that'd be my legacy and we'd all live happily ever after. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of my favorite statistics that I love to tell people uh, is Dr. John Rindy's 35% of our students are first-generation college yeah. students. I think that's awesome, and I would love to see it be 
as many as we can possibly accommodate yeah. here at the university. And, and, and you know, I, I was anticipating the what's your favorite memory question. It is every time I say uh, first gen students stand up at graduation. It's, it's by far. It, it just it, it drives home what we why we do it. And when you're talking about a first gen student, you're not just changing that student's life. That's the amazing thing. You're probably changing the trajectory of a generations after them as well. That's right. And and there's nothing better than that. Uh, talk about feeling powerful. At that moment, you feel like, wow, I own the world because we just helped do that. I would agree. And it's awesome because it's not just first gen students stand up. It's first gen students and your families yeah. stand up. And to see everyone do that, it's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's one thing that we should be really proud of. And I've been on so. both sides of that. You know, I was a first gen college student. If it wasn't for Apache institution, I... I wouldn't be here right now, you know, to go through. And I think that's one of the, the things that makes Pashi so special is that we have the opportunity to reach out to those first generation students and show them that there's a different path. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I've seen it from both sides and it's, it gets me emotional every time being somebody that's yeah. done it and being somebody that gets to see it happen uh, on this end too is pretty special. So yeah, I, I'm technically not first gen, but I functionally am. My dad has a, um, uh, has college degrees but he did it night school after the Navy. My brother and I were the first to go to a traditional college and, and experience that. And, uh, and I had many of the same struggles that, that a first gen would. I didn't know what a bursar did. I didn't know what a registrar did. I, I had no clue. And, uh, and so I, I was a bit of a fish out of water. So while, while technically I don't fit it, I feel like I'm an honorary member of a first gen uh, cohort. There's some awesome people. Well, I was going to ask the memory question, but you already answered that yeah, one. Yeah. So we're good there. So, all right. Third question. If you could bring one animal back from extinction, which would it be? Well, I want to pick a dinosaur, but I keep on thinking about Jurassic Park. Um. <laughs> Everyone, that's, it's the common answer, yeah. right? Like people want to go yeah. right to dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that would just be, be so extraordinarily cool. Um, Oh, then my head went to Dodo, but I have no explanation for that. And, and so I, I don't want that <laughs> to be age. some kind of, you know, that's the only clip anyone ever hears of this. It's the <laughs> Dodo bird. Um, so let's go with woolly mammoth. That seems like a good compromise yeah. between dinosaur and that's yeah. not going to really wreak havoc on. Actually, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to meet a true Neanderthal. Hmm. Um, I, I just think that that would be really interesting as well. Yeah. We'll allow it. Yeah, I like it. Well, Dr. Barry, once again, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you coming on here and talking to everyone. We are extremely excited that we are all 3D again. Yes. I look forward to bumping into you physically on campus. Indeed. Yeah. The, the next Thank time, you so much. The okay. next time we bring you on for an episode, we'll get you. We'll, we'll make sure we do the podcast in person. It'll be a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a great time. Yeah. Maybe we can get an actual Neanderthal on the, on the, on the show as well. Actually, my understanding is, is that, um, that there are people who actually have a certain amount of Neanderthal DNA and, uh, from, from back in, in crossbreeding or, or whatever. Uh, I just, I find that whole, whole concept fascinating that there was another species that was, close enough to us that, that we could uh, interact. I just think it's cool. Yeah. 
Except when they figure out that those people exist and then they try to steal their DNA. See, I go right to the crazy conspiracy <laughs> part of it where people are going to like clone. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why they're doing COVID vaccines so that they can take <laughs> the DNA sample to find the Neanderthals. Yes, that's it. Because when they stick the needle in your arm, it, it actually, actually extracts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As opposed to the computer chip that they're putting no, no, in. No, no, no. This is, this is Neanderthal DNA. Interesting. Yeah, we're we're being cataloged. (laughs) (laughs) Those DNA tests or the uh, uh, ancestry.com just wasn't cutting it, so they had to bring in a pandemic just to find it. Yeah, you know, I I I have a I I did the test on ancestry, and and I never thought about the fact that if I have criminal relatives, now now the FBI has a way to find them. Listen, oh, I have wow. a very deep <laughs> Italian background. I'm going to stay away from ancestry if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, cousin so and so. Sorry about that, but I, I won't. I went out of while we're here. <laughs> but I have noticed I have like I have a lot of first cousins, and I only have a couple who don't have ancestry accounts, and I think I know why. Ah, uh, yeah. Well. Thank you. Good luck this year. Good luck to all of us. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. I know we're not out of the woods yet. So Yeah, but but there's a little bit more light trickling in from the sky. For sure. Yep. Thank you so yep. much. We'll see you soon. Take care. Hello, SRU is brought to you by Slippery Rock University and is part of the WSRU Podcast Network. It's hosted by Jeremy Lynch and produced by Nick Artman and Justin Zackel. If you or someone you know has an SRU story, send it on over to podcast at sru.edu. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Hello SRU wherever you get your podcasts.